Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I was recently asked if I would do another Mother's Day episode like last year. By the way, that episode is number 53, entitled, So Glad I Changed My Mind from Self-Absorbed Athlete to Mom at 39. So I decided I would, because why not? It's a great time for reflection. You know, I interview all these incredible people. And some of you listening have been on my show and you know, everybody has a story and I learn so much from them and I rarely spend the time to reflect my, you know, for myself. So let me start with this. We are right where we need to be. I want to ponder that phrase for a moment and I actually stole it. I'm sure it's not new, (laughs) but I heard it very recently from an incredible woman I interviewed last week, Susie Reinhart who is actually going to be my next podcast episode. Um, And you'll learn more about her story and why that applies. But it just, it touched me on a few levels. So I decided I would lead with it. So while you're pondering that this is right where you need to be, I'm going to let you ponder while I share a couple amazing companies that support my podcast because it is growing and without support, I'm not going to be able to keep it up. So in light of Mother's Day, just around the corner, it is fitting that I talk about my first baby, Skirt Sports. <laughs> I know that sounds super cheesy, but it is totally true. And hey, I embrace the cheese. So here's the deal. From the moment I conceived the idea of Skirt Sports, the idea to make a brand for women who didn't want to compromise their femininity while they were training and racing, I've been consumed. It's since day one, since moment one. You know, I've raised this brand from infancy and now she's into her teen years. We're in our 13th year of business. I mean, if it's dog years, then we're in serious trouble. She's like 100 years old. I don't think it's dog years though. I think we're literally the year we are. So I've got like this rascally, unruly teenager that I'm constantly trying to wrangle. And she's fun and wild and crazy and independent and unpredictable. And at the end of the day, despite all of that, I'm just so proud of what I've built. I really am, you know, and and I don't take many moments to really appreciate that. And so I want to share all of it with you. So guess what? We're offering you a discount just because. Um, just head over to skirtsports.com. Your discount that's going to be good through the month of June is by using the code RTWPODCAST15. Stands for, of course, Run This World Podcast 15. You'll get 15% off. So many of you already love and wear our products, but if you're new, Uh, Here's the deal. We started with fitness skirts, in fact, made the very first running skirt in the market. 
which I wore in the 2004 Ironman Wisconsin and won the race. But that's a whole different podcast and a different story. Um, Today, we make so much more. So if you're not what you might call a skirt girl, don't worry, because we make shorts, we make capris, we make leggings, we make high-impact sports bras. We have a huge range of tops. We just got our tri-kits in and our cycling products. And to top it off, we've got a sale going on right now this week through Mother's Day. So even more incentive to get rolling in skirt sports. All right. So as you still continue to ponder that you are right where you need to be, I also want to give a shout out to my sponsor, Health IQ. Uh, Their founder realized one day that there had to be a way to get healthy people better rates on life insurance, and then he did what all successful entrepreneurs do. He figured it out. You know, here's the deal. All you have to do is go over to healthiq.com backslash RTW if you have any interest at all in life insurance. If you don't, big deal. Go on. But at least then, if you know people who do, who are healthy and fit, pass this on to them. You take their health quiz and someone will reach out to you pretty much immediately. And if you have recent race results of any race, the Health IQ agent will just pull them off Athlinks or you can send in your Strava or other fitness tracker info to prove that you're fit and healthy. Um, The good news is that fitness enthusiasts like all of you have a higher mortality rate. I'm sure you knew that, but it literally is true. Statistics show. Um, But the even better news is that many of you will now qualify for better rates on life insurance. Again, that's healthiq.com backslash RTW. Tell them I sent you so I get a little credit. All right. So after all that, I'm still right where I need to be. So where is that? Where is that? So today... Right now, that means sitting in my little studio office, looking out the window at the trees in bloom. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, Listening to the birds, drinking my second coffee, letting my mind roam as I write this. Because by the way, I do write. I write down my thoughts and then I ponder them some more. (laughs) And you know, did you notice that I didn't mention... I was looking at the piles of toys that seem to grow higher by the day or the hole in the fence that, yes, is still there from last year's windstorm or the to-do list sitting right next to me, actually. Um, Boom. I just turned that over because that to-do list is not going to serve me right now. (laughs) Um, So I had trouble sleeping the last few nights for a reason other than wilder. I've been reading books that I just can't put down. And now reading good books is actually dangerous for addictive personalities like mine because we start something and we are into it and a natural sleep cycle will come on, you know, when you're like laying in bed and your eyes get heavy and you're like, okay, it's time to go to bed. But when, when we have this tendency, we push through those natural sleep cycles and sometimes we can't sleep till the next cycle hits, which is like 2 a.m. So anyway, this is happening to me right now. I'm reading a book called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And there's this sweet scene where the dad is talking to his daughter about how their life really isn't normal. And he says, have you ever heard that the brain is a discounting mechanism? 
So basically your brain discounts certain things as a means for survival. So like for instance, if your house always smells like a wet cat, people who come over for the first time might be sort of grossed out, but you live there. So you eventually get used to it and your brain discounts the smell. You don't even smell it anymore as a survival mechanism. So I bring this up because I think we may have a tendency towards piles in the DeBoom household, but I've stopped seeing them. And when I do, like the toys and Wilder's projects that just keep growing because I can't bear to like throw anything away, it's only for a moment that I notice them and then they just blend in again. Okay, so wait, one more example, just so you can, you know, see behind the curtain of the DeBoom household. So our kitchen tile grout has started to come loose. And then one day when this was happening, I had two six-year-old girls over and they were playing like pop star in the kitchen right by the tile area. And of course, as soon as they noticed that there was loose grout, it was the only place that their little bodies could like gravitate to. They were magnetically drawn there. Even when I said, let's not dance over here, they would they would just like end up on the spot anyway, kicking the grout around like they couldn't help it. So I, uh, which to me, actually, that's a whole nother funny phenomenon in itself. But um, I decided, okay, so I'm going to cover this up. I grabbed a piece of duct tape, but it was not just duct tape, but neon pink duct tape because in my head, if I put neon pink duct tape on the floor, we would be more likely to fix the grout sooner. But what do you think happened? Yes, the discounting mechanism is strong in the DeBoom household. It's been like, I don't know, four or five months. I don't even notice the hot pink neon (laughs) duct tape on the floor. I mean, people who walk in must notice it, but I don't know, no one ever says anything. All right, so back to the point now. Here it is. We're right where we need to be. And you know when you're listening to this right now, if this episode is going to resonate with you or not. I love this concept because it's a way to find peace through both the good times and the tough times in life. Um, I recently did a speech about my journey with alcohol. And I was thinking about the relationship alcohol played in my life and how could I really say that I was right where I needed to be when I was in a self-destructive phase. So during those times, I'm not sure I could actually wrap my brain around it or if I was even capable of that, but it's the first glimpse out the other side that gives you perspective that the whole experience, whatever it may be for some of you, is important. And it may not be easy, but it's important. Um, I don't know. I think it takes us from where we are now to where we need to go. And I do want to clarify something. I actually, I, I guess I don't actually think that we always need to be moving forward. I think there are times in life when we can't do much except tread water. You know, sometimes the simple act of keeping our heads above water can be akin to actually moving forward. Uh, For instance, in business during a recession, I have oftentimes heard this phrase, which sometimes uh, comforts me when we're in this boat, and it would be, you know, flat is the new growth. So the idea being that like, as long as you're not going backwards, you're actually going forward. So I agree. I think I just, 
I think there are times when simply standing still is a huge forward win. So I want to I want to dissect this with a few examples. So let me start with something as basic as sleep, which I mentioned earlier when I get stuck on those books that keep me awake. You know, this episode is loosely related to Mother's Day, so it's a very relevant topic. Uh, Before Wilder was born, I was a great sleeper. I slept as much as I needed pretty much every day. I mean, there were times in my life when I even had the luxury of simply going to bed and waking up based on my natural circadian rhythm. Like, when do we ever get to do that? I think back on it, and I mean, it's un- luxury is an understatement, my opinion. Um, remember, you know, my previous career was as a professional athlete. So like I set my schedule, I didn't have a lot of constraints except for the things that I decided I needed to do. But here's what I found. I'm a solid eight-hour sleeper, and I tend to wake up on the early side. That's when I'm on my own rhythms. So fast forward a bunch of years to uh, 2010, actually 2011, when I was pregnant. And I just plain old slept a lot. I took two to three-hour naps on the couch, and I gave into gravity, and I would sink like deeply into this nourishing sleep. Some of you listening are probably like, oh, I wish I remember that thing, nourishing sleep. But I, and I also slept with this like massive body pillow, which was amazing. It was like the things they use in oil spills that like went all the way around both sides of my body. It was like a big U shape. Um, I actually have no idea why I got rid of it afterward because it was so amazing. But, you know, in the end, I guess it did sort of create a barrier against my husband in bed. <laughs> so maybe that's why. Um, but the point is, when I was pregnant, sleep was expected. You know, I was caring for another creature. And I literally had no expectations of what being a mom would look like. You know, Tim and I had some amazing conversations about what kind of child we hope to raise. We wanted to raise strong, compassionate, independent kid with like a clear sense of right and wrong who would always make the best decisions, right? (laughs) But it's funny. I mean, those are amazing things, but we never actually talked about how we were going to parent so that our child might actually have these values when she grows up. I mean, duh. I'm just, uh, it's crazy. I'm just now realizing that we could probably still benefit from having that talk. So maybe when I'm done recording this, I'll go grab Tim and and figure it out. (laughs) But, you know, the only thing that outside of, I guess, the traits we hoped our child might have, the only thing I actually planned for was the birth, not the parenting or the things that came after, because this was like an event. And when you have an event, you plan for an event. You know, I've shared some details about Wilder's birth in the past, but we got a lot of new listeners, so I'm going to give you a few highlights um, or lowlights, however you look at them, again, in honor of Mother's Day. <laughs> so I got pregnant at 39 years old. Actually, I was trying to get pregnant for about six months prior, and I'll never forget the day that I realized something. See, I was running, literally, like heart still thumping into my acupuncturist's office in Boulder. His name is Ting Ling, 
and he specializes in helping Boulder mamas get pregnant since there's a lot of old moms in Boulder. (laughs) So he had a very thriving business. Um, I'd already accomplished about 70 things that day, including a run up and down Sanitas, and I was always late, so I ran into his office and and like took a breath and sat down to get some acupuncture and herbs thinking, you know, this will help my my aging maternal, hopefully maternal body. So he is this amazing Chinese doctor. I think he's an MD in China and over here he does acupuncture. And he took my, my uh, you know, my wrists and he listened. He like closes his eyes and puts his fingers on your pulse and he listens to your pulse. And for a while, and then he, looked at me, he looked up, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, Nicole, you need to change your life. You need to slow down. If you want to have a baby, you need to make some changes. And it was like, boom. Anyone else could have told me that. I mean, Tim could have told me that. Friends could have told me that. But for some reason, when he said it, Something about it hit home, I guess. And that's the day I started slowing down. And I'll, I'll, I'll share different ways in which I have slowed down because a lot of people probably think, well, guys, you run like a million miles a minute, which I still do, but it's different. You know, oh, okay, let's talk, let's talk workouts. So when I got pregnant, I went from two workouts every day to two workouts only a few days a week. And then when the third trimester hit, I started only doing one workout a day. And sometimes that workout was a 30-minute walk or 1,500 yards in the pool. And here's the kicker. I've never gone back. I mean, granted, I didn't have to. I wasn't a professional athlete anymore. But it was a huge mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual life change that this baby I was going to have helped me make. Um, you know, when I was pregnant, the energy to do all the workouts was waning. And plus, I needed those two to three hour naps, remember? But after she was born, it was different because it didn't really have to do with energy. Yes, we'll talk about sleep in a minute and sleep deprivation, but it was a full mental paradigm shift. And the reason, you know, everybody's kind of, you might be rolling your eyes and like, whatever, but you got to remember, it's all relative for all of us, everything in this world. And for me, I'd been doing double workouts ever since I was 15 years old, like consistently my entire life doubles or triples because I became a triathlete. I often did three workouts a day. I didn't stop doing that until I was 39. And in both cases, whether I was 15 or 25 or 32 in the prime of my career or 39, when I finally slowed down, I was exactly where I needed to be. It's such a cool thing to think. You know, Wilder was born on December 30th, 2011. Yet her due date was December 17th. Yes, due date, December 17th, born December 30. Okay. You can do the math. Um, We actually planned, because remember I was talking about planning. Um, We planned to have her and then go home and like be raising this new baby. And then my parents came 
to visit for like five days and they would they were you know going home after that and what actually happened is that I didn't have her on December 17th or many days after. And then my parents came to visit and then I didn't have her. And then they left for the airport and flew home. And that's the day I went into the hospital. So my plan was to have as natural a birth as possible because, you know, I'm this like uber awesome athlete person. So I'm super tough. So of course, like I'm going to be able to pull this thing off. So I worked with the Boulder midwives and I decided I would hang out at home and have contractions in this like great home environment and then go to the hospital and and I would definitely avoid doing any of the drugs that they offer. And I also had decided I would save the placenta. So you can Google this, this is a thing and have someone pick it up, which we had a little cooler in the hospital. <laughs> this woman was gonna pick it up and turn it into freeze-dried uh, freeze pills that were supposed to help with my recovery. And oh, and I was definitely not going to have a C-section. So that was my plan. The only thing I could plan because I had no idea how to plan being a parent. So here's what happened. Here's how the plan went. I never had contractions at home because at the beginning of week 42, so you're supposed to be pregnant for 40 weeks. So at the beginning of week 42, the ultrasound showed that Wilder's fluids were getting low and they told me I had to come in and get induced. And that meant all sorts of nasty, including that darn Pitocin drug that makes you have contractions that suck really, really bad since you haven't had any warm-up contractions to start with. And that's what I'm calling them. So for anybody who got contractions at home and like their water broke and all that, I like, that was sort of my dream. You're probably laughing at me because I'm sure it wasn't a dream. But uh, I went straight into like super intense <laughs> contractions. So I immediately got all the drugs and then they gave me like extra drugs while they were doing the epidural. It's totally loopy. Um, then they had to manually break my water, which was noted as very meconium stained, which basically means that you know, your baby's first poop is called the meconium. It's so disgusting. But basically, like, she had her first poop in the womb. So then we were like, oh, my gosh, please dispose of the placenta. Nicole will not be eating freeze-dried meconium poop pills. So there you go. And it just went on like that for a day. It was like everything was forced. And everything everything went exactly the opposite of what we thought it should be or I, I was planning for it to be. Um, and finally, you know, through the process, I did get dilated enough to start pushing. So at least I was hopefully going to just be able to have this natural birth. But after about an hour, they announced that my baby's heart rate was dropping. And so it was time for the C-section after all. And so through the entire birth, I had, this is the other funny part, these humongous tremors so if you're listening and you had tremors, you'll know what I mean. But like my arms were sort of thrashing around uncontrollably. <laughs> it was so weird. And um, I'll never forget being wheeled butt first on all fours with a towel over my 
over my ass into the birth room. And then when I was laying there and they were going to get started on the C-section, I was thrashing around so much that they just strapped me down, but then I had to throw up. So I was like thrashing, throwing up on this. It was really awesome. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like most beautiful, wonderful, absolutely experience that, hey, I learned my lesson. Don't plan your birth. Do your birth. Know about what could happen in your birth. Know what the choices or decisions you would make if you could. And then you got to roll with it. But guess what? I was just where I needed to be. And it's a good story, right? Because for me, I guess the part that sucks is that I don't remember a lot of the post-birth. Tim went with the doctors and our new little baby girl, she was only six pounds, two ounces, even though she was two weeks late, um, while they were suturing me up. And Wilder was breastfeeding within 10 minutes, which is always amazing to me that they have, that they can do that. It just blows my mind, but it's all a fog to me. I don't really remember it. I think I was so drugged, (laughs) all the drugs I wasn't going to do. But I'm so glad we have some photos because of all the times that I was just where I needed to be, I really would have liked to remember that one more. And here's the deal. Wilder's first night was amazing. This tiny little super cutie, absolutely gorgeous baby slept like a dream. And Tim and I were sort of running on happy hormones and adrenaline. And it was like this partnership and teamwork. And our first night was so great. I thought, wow, we must have gotten a sleeper. Because I'd heard that some babies sleep great. And I thought, well, that's going to be us. So here's my note to you. Never say things like that out loud. It's like when you're riding a bike and you actually say out loud, wow, we have the best tailwind today. And within seconds, literally seconds, it is now a forceful headwind and you are riding home at eight miles an hour. Like that is true. Never say, my child is a great sleeper. Even if she starts sleeping great eventually, don't say it out loud. You can think it, but don't say it. Um, Wilder proved to be many of the things that we hoped for. She's compassionate. She's strong. She's independent. She's super smart. She's way articulate. Oh my gosh. Um, but the one thing that she was not was a good sleeper. Yes. Me, the sleeper got a bad sleeper. Um, it took about four years before she really slept through the night. I'm not kidding. And you might be judging me. I don't know. Um, some people are like, well, have you just tried harder to sleep it out or whatever? Um, I'll tell you, we did try these techniques, right? We tried the whole sleeping it out or whatever it's called with her. And that's where you basically put your baby down and then you leave the room while they cry and you let them cry and you don't comfort them. You just let them cry. And at the end of the day, I could only let her cry for an hour. I mean, an hour, literally like looking at my watch every minute before I could gave in and comforted her. And maybe, hey, you're saying, well, if you just let her cry for like two hours or five hours or whatever, it would have just been over with. But I just couldn't do it. And that's how we chose to do it. We tried. We tried to our level of comfort and boom. You know, maybe we chose our own sleepless destiny, but, you know, our hearts are all different. And I have a heart that 
maybe feels a little bit more. And when my child is in distress, I will always struggle to let her go through the tough times. I feel like I'm going to cry right now. And then no, I'm not alone, but just saying that out loud makes me feel like a tiny bit weak and guilty. Like I know I'm not doing her any favors. Like now, should I have made her cry it out longer? I don't know. I don't know. But um, the truth is I didn't. And today I still struggle with you know, letting her endure the pain and suffering that I know she needs to go through because guess what? She is right where she needs to be right now too. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So Wilder finally sleeps through most nights, but she is a notoriously early riser. Uh, She and Tim will probably chase sunrises together in the future someday. I may join them occasionally as long as I get my eight hours, right? (laughs) And during those really dark days and nights, I, I finally found peace in my exhaustion when I would let go of the to-do list and the thing I was going to accomplish when she finally went to bed and put my consistently busy mind to rest. And when I would finally just let myself dip into the moment, that's always when she actually fell asleep. It's so interesting. It's like she could feel that I was just waiting for her to go to bed so I could go do something. Weird, huh? Uh, There were nights when I would literally fall asleep when the clock said 10.12, and then at 10.16, or sometime thereafter, within minutes, I would wake up to a crying baby that feeling of nausea that always accompanies a shocking wake up out of the first deep drop into sleep. Uh, Finally, one day a year or so later, I surprised myself as I actually said this out loud, literally said this out loud. While Wilder had woken me up and I was feeling nauseous and gross and going, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm gonna function tomorrow. And I finally took a breath and I said in the middle of the night, it's an honor to be your mom. It's an honor to help you find comfort. And I meant it. And when I realized that I meant it, it made me feel again like I was right where I needed to be. You know how they talk about race mantras? I mean, I have them too. Words, anything that helps you get through tough stuff. That mantra, it's an honor to be your mom. It's an honor to help you find comfort. That this mantra helped me get past myself and and to get into the bigger picture and to shut that brain off and to let go. And I have to say that the sleep torture, because by the way, sleep deprivation is actually a well-known torture method. It uh, the sleep torture it made those days when I got four straight hours of sleep. It made me feel like I was invincible. I seriously felt like I could do anything on four hours of sleep. Now that has since changed, but it's crazy how quickly you adapt until you just about can't handle whatever your situation is anymore, and then things change again. And so let's remind ourselves, this is right where we need to be. You know, I sometimes think about my mom and what she was going through when we were babies. I have one older sister, Michelle. She's two years older than me, almost to the day. You know, 
why don't we ask more about what their lives were like and what our parents' lives are like today? Why don't we interview our parents as if we're going to write their biographies? I mean, they raised us for crying out loud, and that's a phrase, by the way, that my mom uses. So my mom, Gail Molzon, she's amazing. There are plenty of people out there who have difficult relationships with your parents, and I am not one of them. I love spending time with my mom, and I appreciate the things about her today that as a teenager, I probably rolled my eyes at. But as adults, my sister Michelle and I started making time to do girls trips with my mom. My mom asked us to. And of course we were going to do it. I mean, seriously, why didn't we come up with this idea? Because that's, that's really what it comes down to. The only way you do stuff like this and you keep those connections is you make time. You make time for the things that are important to you, right? And these girls, these girls trips are amazing. Every year we go somewhere new. They always revolve around really good food, (laughs) workouts for me and Michelle, some sort of shopping, entertainment, talking, laughing. We get massages. We just relax into each other and we talk, we talk. And I bring this up because it's become a tradition. And for some reason, traditions are important to me. And when I add the third dimension to all of this and project forward to when I'm 70 and my daughter is 30, I hope that she'll want to do a girl's trip with me. So as I think about that down the road, what kind of relationship I hope I have with my daughter, I decided to create this thing today called Girl Friday. Because I have this dream that when Wilder is even in high school, she'll choose to do Girl Friday with me because the tradition is so strong. It brings her comfort, makes her happy. So every Friday morning, we go out to breakfast and have girl time. And it's either right now, the Walnut Cafe, Southside, Uh, And by the way, the owner of the Walnut Cafe, Dana D, has been on the podcast from drug addict to love addict. She's amazing. Or we go to Moe's Bagels or often my friend Jillian Lackritz, which by the way, she's episode 80 titled, You Have Everything Inside of You to Get Exactly What You Want in Life. It's a good episode. So, or we go to her house because she's got two girls, one of which is Wilder's age, and I hope that those two girls will remain friends for a long time. And why do I do this? Because as we walk through each day, we create memories that shape us forever. Some are good, some are difficult, some will comfort us, some will change our directions in life. So that's where I am. As a 46-year-old mom of a six-year-old with a 73-year-old mom of me, (laughs) mine, me, me or mine, and I'm exactly where I need to be. That's all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening today. If you love my podcast, please take a moment to write a review on iTunes and forward this link to someone who needs to hear the podcast today. All right then, everyone, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.